0: Awakening the heart, relating honestly with God. This morning we are going to go through Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, perhaps the best known of all the Psalms, uh, speaks of the Lord as our shepherd. And I think it's an important thing in our relationship with God to understand his shepherding role over our lives. For the Israelites the concept of a shepherd was absolutely familiar. In fact, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were all shepherds. So the nation was birthed out of a vocation of shepherding. And even David, who was king when he wrote this psalm, had been a shepherd tending the flocks of his father. And so David understood the role of the shepherd, the importance of... Of the shepherd in leading the flock, feeding the flock, protecting the flock. And he writes now with regards to the Lord being the shepherd. And as we move into this psalm, it's, it's a very comforting song, psalm. It speaks of, of trust and relationship. It speaks of peace and provision in the life of those being shepherded. And it is often read at uh, funerals because of verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And we'll get into that a little bit. But sometimes I wonder when I am doing funerals, because I've done a lot of funerals through the years. And not every person whom I have presided over their funeral have I been absolutely assured that they have known the Lord. I read this, but the whole context of it speaks of going through that valley of the shadow of death, not fearing evil because we know that the Lord is with us. And so often I think that we miss out on the intimacy and the blessing of that relationship. And it really begins in the very first few words there. The Lord is... My shepherd. I want you to emphasize that as you read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Look at the confidence David has. He doesn't say the Lord is occasionally my shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord may be my shepherd. He asserts the Lord is without any doubt acting in the role of of the shepherd over my life. All of the functions of a shepherd, feeding, guiding, protecting. The Lord does each of these in my life, David says, because he is my shepherd. So I, I ask you the question, and I, I bring it forth because it's such a, an important thing to settle in our lives. Are you in relationship With Jesus Christ. Have you given your life to him? Because as we go through this passage of scripture, what we are going to find is that it absolutely points us to Jesus Christ. The Lord in the Old Testament context was Yahweh, Jehovah. But listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now that's quite a statement. Jesus here is asserting his deity. He is saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the Lord. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is just a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. So this is where we want to really focus in. Do you know Jesus Christ? If you're one of his sheep, he knows you. Can you, along with David, say, The Lord is my shepherd. I have that relationship with Him. I have entered into it through the Gospel. He has forgiven my sin. Our relationship has been reconciled. I have been baptized into His body. And I walk throughout my life in relationship with Him. Can you say that along with David? It's so foundational, so important in understanding this psalm. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. In other words, Jesus here is prophesying that there will be Gentiles who come into the fold of faith. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. Kelly shared with us about the importance of listening, of hearing God speak to us. Now, probably very few of us in this room or those of you who are hearing my voice have heard the audible voice of God. But God is speaking to us. All the means through which Kelly mentioned, God is speaking to us. C.S. Lewis said that God shouts to us in our pain. So here Jesus says that we will hear his voice and that there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the one of whom we are referring when we say the Lord is my shepherd. So just settle it now. Determine to walk in fellowship, following after the shepherd, Jesus Christ, in your life. Commit your life to him. There are a lot of Christians who, who have the notion that they can be within the flock of the Lord, but then wander off whenever they choose forge their own path rather than following after the shepherd and remaining in the fold as the shepherd leads the sheep. It's interesting. I'm not a shepherd. I'm not an agricultural person really at all, but I've done some reading. And there's one book that I have read called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it talks about sometimes the harsh discipline of the shepherd. Did you know that a in the Middle East, when a sheep would continually wander off, that the shepherd actually would break their legs to keep them from being able to wander off. And then the shepherd would actually carry the sheep from place to place, requiring that sheep to understand the importance of being with the shepherd and following after the shepherd. See, the Lord as our shepherd... He leads us, it says in verse 2, beside quiet waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He is a very strong shepherd. He is in control of our lives. And we do well to follow after him, to keep our eyes focused upon him. When we do so, David says, we lack nothing. Everything that we need, materially, emotionally, spiritually, God provides. That's what Peter wrote. He said, God has provided all things for us that pertain to life and to godliness. Now, it does not say that we will have all of our wants met, but all of our needs will be met as we follow after the Lord. He will make us lie down in green pastures. He will lead us beside the quiet waters and give us refreshment for our souls. I find so often in my life that the times where I am most confused, the times that I have struggled knowing which direction to take in my life, have been those times where my eyes have not been on the Lord. My mind has not been in His Word. My heart has not been open to His Spirit. I've been trying to forge my own path, go my own way. Yeah, I, mean, I saw the veneer of, of being a sheep, you know, but I'm wandering off my own path, my own way. When we follow after Him, He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He provides for us so that we have no need. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and he will direct your steps. So again, it's this trust relationship. We know that as he guides us, he is guiding us on right paths for our lives. As we read through his word and discern by his spirit what he wants for us, sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it causes us to have to sacrifice things that we would have perhaps chosen to do, but God is directing us in another way. We have to trust the shepherd that he knows where the green pastures are and where the quiet waters lie. He wants to refresh our souls and to make provision for us. And he wants us to walk along right paths. This is not meant to be critical of anyone specifically. But if it lands, maybe you should receive it. I believe we live in a distracted society, a distracted society. I was at Mesa Mall in Grand Junction yesterday. I was waiting on Christy as she was shopping, and I was just observing people. And it is so interesting to me how attached we are to our electronic devices there had to be well over 50% of the people I saw walking up and down the hallways of the Mesa Mall with people, but looking at their device, talking on their device. And this was just in a very brief period of time that I was observing. And it's not just the electronic Internet stuff that distracts us. We fill our lives with so many activities that it becomes very difficult for us sometimes to prioritize what is truly most important in my life. I'm being pulled this direction. I've got to go that way. Oh, I have to come back here. But someone else wants my attention. Someone else needs my time. I've heard this time and again. People struggling with prioritizing their schedules because they've got so much going on makes us envious of the shepherd Abraham who would spend long hours in the fields with his sheep looking up at the stars and hearing the Lord speak to him saying, can you count stars, Abraham? Your descendants will outnumber them. Sometimes in our distracted lives, we are so unable to hear the voice of the Lord Speaking to us, we are unable to observe where he is guiding us, where the right paths are. So I just want to suggest that as Christians, we need to slow down a little bit. Take stock of all of the busyness and the distractions in our lives. Try to ascertain whether indeed God is directing us in each one of those? Or are we just trying to fill up an emptiness? Because he wants us to walk on right paths for his name's sake, for his glory. In our lives, he has a purpose. He has a pathway for each one of us. We have been saved, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, by grace through faith, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. We are his workmanship, created for good works in Jesus Christ, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So he has a path that he wants to lead you down. Your path may look a little bit different than mine, but here's what I want to say to you. He wants to lead you. Are you like that? little sheep that is being distracted, walking off continually, looking for things that perhaps aren't really important in the eternal scheme. Sometimes I think we, we do in, indeed focus on the wrong things. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Paul says, don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs any of these difficulties. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but rather on what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So in your life, if you are living a distracted life, the counsel of the Lord is to stop and to refocus on those things that are eternal, those things that are lasting, those things that will not fade away. Don't lose heart. But maybe you need to refocus because God wants to guide you down right paths for his glory. Maybe you need to, as Isaiah said, stop and wait upon the Lord. Just wait to hear his voice. Slow down a little bit. Because when you do, the promise is, you will renew your strength. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. you will get new vision. you will understand more clearly and more fully what God intends for your life. He wants to guide you along right paths for His namesake, for His glory. And it's a good path. It's a fruitful path. Now sometimes, on that path, you're going to walk through the darkest valley. The valley of the shadow of death. Going to have hard times. There is evil in this world. One week ago today, in a small church in Texas, over 20 people killed, numerous more wounded physically, and uncounted wounded emotionally and psychologically. Evil exists in the world. You will, at times, confront evil. The darkness hates the light, the Bible says. And you are light. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Sometimes you are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you know what? Wherever there's a shadow, what does that mean? It means there's light somewhere, right? He is with you. And that's what David says. I will fear no evil because you are with me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, Jesus said. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So why is it that when he guides us along right paths and we, as we walk those right paths, encounter evil, why is it that we are not to fear? Well, it says right here, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod, symbolic of the defense that God provides for each one of his children. The rod was a weapon that the shepherd would use to protect the sheep from predators. The staff was what the shepherd would use to guide the sheep, to wrap on the rock. And to get their attention. And occasionally, yes, to bring the sheep back into the fold. But we fear no evil because he is with us. He is with us. This is something, again, that I started out this message saying. But it's so important for us to understand. Now, Satan wants to deceive you and make you think that God is far distant. That God is not Intimately aware of what you are going through. That he does not care, but the fact is he does. He cares so much he sent his only begotten son to die for you. We fear no evil because he is with us. And the one who is with us is the one who conquered death and hell. He rose from the dead on the third day. There on the island of Patmos... John was confronted with the risen Christ. And this is the same John who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he had a very close earthly relationship with Jesus. And yet when he saw the risen Jesus, he fell at his feet as though dead. He was so afraid. What were the first words that Jesus spoke his close friend John. Don't be afraid. Stand up. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I hold the keys of death and of hell. So if Jesus is in charge of death, if he has overcome the grave, what is it that we fear that should cause us to stumble? Ask yourself that question. What is it that I fear as I walk with Jesus? Because really, when you're walking with Jesus, the risen Christ, you should be like John. Afraid of Him, but not afraid of anything else. He's the conqueror. He's the overcomer. And as we walk with Him, we conquer And we overcome. In fact, Paul says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We should fear no evil. Even though the evil will come, this does not remove evil from our lives. Many of you have gone through or are going through very difficult things. And you might wonder, where is God? in all of this? Why is God allowing this to happen? I asked those same questions. Christy and I, when we were within the first five years of our marriage, her brother and his wife had a little boy, 18 months old, beautiful little boy, first grandson of Christy's parents. We got a call. Danny's dead. died of pneumonia. And I remember that call that morning rocking my world. Because I was a young Christian. I'd been saved about five or six years, maybe something like that. What's going on here? And then later in my life, with both my mother and my stepmother, or my um, mother-in-law, beautiful women, wonderful women, both of them, very early in their lives, in their 50s, coming down with diseases that were slow deaths. And I remember praying for both of them, wondering, Lord, where are you? And struggling with that. How does a loving God allow this stuff to happen? But I've come to know and come to understand that God is right there with us as these things happen. Jesus Himself suffered extraordinary things while He was on this earth. He knows the pain we're going through. And though we walk through the darkest valley, we will not fear evil. The evil will not overcome us. It will not take a hold of our lives and direct us away from the Good Shepherd because the Good Shepherd is right there with us, with the rod, with the staff, comforting us, assuring us that He has gone before us And He will get us through whatever it is we are confronting. This morning, Pastor Pomeroy down in Sutherland Springs is preaching a message that I am sure the whole nation is going to hear. What do you say to a congregation that has just been slaughtered? Your own 14-year-old daughter, one of them. What do you say? Well, I've heard part of what Pastor Pomeroy is going to say. He talked about it this week. He said, when, when the things that overwhelm us confuse us and, and wound us happen, those are the very times that we are to lean into our Savior. To push into Him for comfort, for protection, for assurance. Yes, we don't understand it. The evil is there. We're not sure why it's occurring, but we know He is with us and He has the rod of protection, the staff of authority, and He will comfort us through our struggles, through whatever evil befalls us. Don't be afraid. God is with us. He'll get us to the other side of the lake. He told the disciples, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. He fell asleep in the boat. Big storm comes. Starts blowing. And the disciples, these are experienced fishermen. They awaken him. Lord, Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? Don't you care about this storm that's going to cause us to sink and to drown? And he says, you of little faith. Didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? Peace. Be still. He is a good shepherd. And He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. So, this is a wonderful image of provision in the midst of people or forces that oppose us. Now, we have three enemies. Our first and foremost is Satan, or the satanic forces that are aligned against us. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So there are spiritual forces that are opposed to you, that are coming against you. But Jesus has overcome them. The world system over which Satan governs is opposed to Christianity. Governments are not friends to the gospel, generally speaking, at least. And then finally, there are those in the flesh who do oppose us. For whatever reason, whether they are satanically inspired or whether they simply do not understand the love of God, they do oppose the work of God. But in the midst of all of these enemies, whether satanic, whether the world system, or whether simply our fellow human beings, there are people who oppose what we try to do as Christians, how we try to live as believers. But in the midst of all of that, here, the promise is that God is going to provide. He is going to prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. He will anoint our head with oil, which was a very common thing when you went into a person's house to eat with them. One of the things you were supposed to do was to anoint them with oil, to to welcome their presence, to give them a position or a place of prominence as a guest in your home. You will remember in uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus came into the the home of Simon the Pharisee. And a woman, sinful woman, came into the home and began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and to kiss him and to, to wipe her hair alongside of him. And he said to Simon, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? She has not stopped weeping at my feet washing my feet with her tears. And yet I came into your house. You didn't give me a greeting. You didn't anoint my head. You did nothing for me. God, when he invites us to his banqueting table, he prepares an enormous feast. He anoints our head with oil, and our cup overflows. And I'm thinking about this this week. I was wondering, what is the cup representative What cup is overflowing at this banqueting table? And it occurred to me that it's the cup of blessing. The cup of blessing that would be there at the Jewish Seder. The cup of blessing. That was the cup that Jesus took when he said, in this cup is my blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. The cup that overflows is forgiveness. It is mercy, both directed towards us but also given through us and extended towards others who have offended us. That is the cup that is overflowing. When you lead a life that is full of God's forgiveness, both as a recipient and as a giver of mercy, your life is overflowing. There is no chains on you nothing that can hold you down. If you hold bitterness, hatred, resentment, unforgiveness in your heart, your cup just has a few drops in it. It's not overflowing whatsoever. So God has given us this great provision in the presence of our enemies, Satan, the world, those who oppose us for whatever reason. Our provision will always be abundant. And surely... Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and love. All things work together in our lives for good. That is the promise to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So all things work together for good in your life. Even the hard things. Even the things that evil tries to overwhelm. It's Because God has a plan and he has the sovereignty by which he can control all of those things in your life to work them out for good. Why? Because of love. He loves you and you love him. And so he is going to work out things for good in your life. As I was thinking about goodness and love following us all the days of our life, I was thinking about the cattleman's day parade or really any parade that has animals in it because the animals are are fun they they're great to watch they're beautiful to behold but what do horses do in parades right i mean that's sort of like our life isn't it we're going along we're thinking things are wonderful oh beautiful horse oh nasty But what comes after the parade? The street cleaner. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and love. Cleaning up everything that we thought was terrible. But see, without those things, we don't get to see the beautiful horses. We don't get to see the, the lovely animals. God is working out the crap in our life, pardon the phrase, for good. And it truly is good. Because ultimately, we're headed for a destination. Ultimately, we are headed for a dwelling place in the house of the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would tell you. But this is the fact. I'm going to prepare a place for you to dwell for eternity. And Jesus, the master carpenter, has been working on this dwelling place for each one of us for the last 2,000 years. As Keith Green liked to say, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, but he's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. That's going to be good. It's because he's a good shepherd and he loves us. So we enter into that trust relationship, that peaceful relationship, resting in his provision because he is our good shepherd. He is speaking to each one of us today. Let's open up our ears and listen. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Jesus, the good shepherd. I'm thinking, Lord, of how carefully you oversee my life, how every detail, You ordain. Every step is ordered. You love me, and you gave yourself for me. And I pray for each and every soul and saint here today, Lord, that they would recognize that you are their shepherd as well, and that we would begin to listen for your voice, watch for your leading, allow you to make us to lie down in greet pastures and lead us, beside the quiet waters. In Jesus' name, amen.